Football on the Sports Social Podcast Network is brought to you by BetVictor. Don't like your odds? Enjoy daily bet boosts on your favourite sports and make your best bet now at betvictor.com. 18 plus, begambleaware.org. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away, specifically the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. It's Villery. Lee, this first time football of Chelsea is a joy to watch. There goes Walker. Oh, he's got a player free on this side if he can find him. Shivers! What a tremendous run from the back by Gary Shivers. That was superb football by Chelsea again. Chelsea supporters here at the Blue Day podcast. I am delighted to welcome this individual on the show today. He is a man who made 148 appearances for the club, scoring four goals. He started his career with Chelsea Football Club and played with the likes of Paul Canneville, Tommy Langley, and a certain Ray Wilkins. Here is Gary Chivers. Gary, nice to see you again. Different circumstances, of course, but how are you nonetheless? Yeah, I'm fine, Keith, and it's uh, it's good that um, you've come come to my part of the world to do to do the, this interview um, yeah and, and pleased to be on the uh, Chelsea podcast Chivs I'd like to start the interview as I have done with my previous guest by sort of asking you who influenced you to become a professional footballer was there a certain person or something that you watched on telly that inspired you what was the factors behind your decision it was it, my love of football really um, me and my brother uh, was brought up in Stockwell Lambeth um, and we just loved, loved playing out in the streets. I was a street footballer, really, me and my brother. And then all of a sudden, um, I come to the age of 10, and my brother got spotted. Um, and he went to Chelsea at, at, at the age of 11. And then uh, two years later, I, I got spotted. Uh, so it was brilliant. I think we was playing for South London. I was playing for South London, the schools, uh, and then London. Um, yeah, but it was a good, a good time. It was a good time to be at Chelsea as well. And obviously that was the team I supported as a boy. Um, I went to my first game, I think, when I was six with my brother. But we used to, get, we used to crawl. I was telling someone else this story the other day. We used to crawl under the turnstiles. Um, and they used to let us in, go up to the back of the shed. And all of the fans then, what they used to do, they used to um, put you over their shoulders and just move you down. And my uncle used to stay in the pub. Um, and he always said to us, as long as you don't tell me aunt that I'm staying in the pub all the time, we can go to the games. And I think we'd done, um, 
the whole 67, 68 season, I think, at home, which, which was brilliant. And it was a good time. It's a good time to be a Chelsea supporter as well, you know, the, the players they had, the likes of, uh, likes of Ronnie Harris, uh, Charlie Cook, Peter Osgood. I mean, fantastic times for the club. Would you say those individuals that you've just mentioned were your footballing idols growing up, or would you say there was others? Well, we, we, I loved them. I loved them. Um, we, we, loved, we both, we both, me and my brother, both supported Chelsea. We loved going to the games, and then, like all of a sudden, going to the training ground, which um, used to be at Stamford Bridge. We used to train on, we used to train on concrete. Would you believe? I don't think they would allow it now, but we used to train on concrete overnight. And then uh, every Easter, then the, the pros would come down and, and, and train us. And, it, you know, I think my first one, I think I was 10, and Johnny Hollins is training me. I mean, it don't get any better than that, does it? Do you know what I mean? Being a Chelsea supporter and Johnny Hollins is training you, I think, I think my brother got um, I think my brother got Ronnie, who I'm very close with now. But, um, yeah, but good, really, really good times. Good times. Now, you came through the academy at Chelsea as well. What was it like playing in the academy? Because for those that obviously are living under a rock, it's a lot different to what it is now. Yeah, it was, it, it, you can call it you can call it what you want, but and I'm not sure if it, and it was an academy. Uh, it was, um, but it was good. It really was good. And, and the, listen, it, the coaches we had uh, at the time at, at Chelsea... We had Ken Chiletto. Now, if you're a defender, uh, you can't be you can't be coached under a better coach than him. He played for England. He should have been in the 1966 World Cup, you know. So, so going there and being coached to to be a fullback, and I started off as a fullback and then then went to centre half. I mean, fantastic coaching, and they were the best. They were the best coaches around. So, you would get. I think when I, when I hit about 13, I was going to Arsenal on a Monday. Chelsea on a Tuesday, Queen's Park Rangers on a Wednesday, with a lot of other players as well, or a lot of other kids. But when it comes to the coaching, Chelsea were by far, by far, they had the best coaches. And who would you say was the best player that you played in that youth side? We, we had a lot of players that, that, that come through. Um, Chrissy Sully, uh, he didn't make a first, uh, first team appearance. There was Jimmy Clare. Uh, there was Mickey Fillery, who, who had a great left foot, tremendous left foot. Colin Pates, uh, Patesy, Johnny Bumpstead, Bunners. Um, he was a year older than me. So, yeah, all, all, all them sort of players. That, but you, I've known them lads. I've known them lads. I won't tell him my age. I'm, I'm, I'm getting to nearly 30. But, um, yeah, yeah. But I've, I've known them lads for, like, 40, 50 years. You know, uh, it's it's brilliant, and 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 that's. The, I don't know if the club draws you together, but it's it's a great feeling. Even going to the games now, I mean, uh, I do the corporate, but and seeing the guys, you know, it's it's just uh, and you get that buzz. I, I get the buzz like working there, and, but I've always, I've always had a, an association with Chelsea. Not, not not only as a player, but I, I you know I've coached the youth. It's it's been it's been brilliant. It's been a fantastic thing for me. Now, you made your debut for Chelsea in the 78-79 season against Middlesbrough. What are your memories of that game? And plus, when did you know you was going to be in the team on that day? 
Well, that, that was quite strange, really, because uh, I, I'd been knocking at the door. Uh, the team wasn't doing very well at, at, at the time. I think we was almost relegated. Um, so I kept on knocking on Danny Blanche Flower's door. And, and Danny, I have to say, was, was, was a, a gem. He was, he was hilarious. Um, you'd go and see him. He was just full of puns. He should have been a comic, really. Uh, it was just, he was a, a laugh-a-minute guy. I mean, I, I remember going and seeing him. And um, he sat me down and I said, listen, I, I, really, I really think I'm ready, ready to play. And he said, listen, he said, I, I'll tell you when you're playing. He said, but he said, sit down. He said, can you imagine you're a lion? And I went, sorry? He said, can you imagine you're a lion? And I'm thinking, where's this going? Where, where's this going? And he said, and I'm a big lion. And I'm a big lion. He said, but if I throw you in now... The look, the big line would be chewed up by the big line. And I'm looking, I'm thinking, what is this guy on? What is, what is he on? And he said, so I want you to get a bit bigger so then you can have a fight with the big line and you'll be okay. And I went, yeah, yeah, okay. And he said, uh, has that answered your question? And I went, no. I said, I haven't got a clue what you're on about. When I walked outside, I think Phil has come up to me and he said, are you playing on Saturday? I said, no. I said, he's been talking about lines for the last half an hour. I haven't got a clue what he's on about. But what he was trying to do, what he was trying to say to me, in, 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 his, in Danny's way, that he didn't want to throw me in too early. That, 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 he, he didn't want me to go in there and I'd all of a sudden um, get absolutely mullered. He, he wanted me ready. Fish and, uh, yeah, fish, yeah. And... and when, when I did actually make my debut, um, it was all on the papers. It was all on the papers on a Friday that, that I was going to play. But he, he, didn't, he didn't pick the side till the Saturday. So I turned, I turned up at the game and uh, my dad came um, and my brother come. And I said, uh, I, I think I'm playing because I'm in the papers. And then I, I saw Danny on the way in. He, he still hadn't told me. And I went up to Danny and I said, uh, I said uh, hey, Gaffer, I said, uh, what's happening? And he just turned around to me. He said, oh, make sure you've got the number six on at three o'clock. And I went, oh, brilliant. So obviously I knew I was playing. Great feeling as well. And I'm, I even remember the first game, Ray Wilkins was, um, Ray Wilkins was captain. We played against Middlesbrough. And um, we were 2-1 up. 2-1 up. I think Graham Wilkins scored one goal. I'm not sure he's got a bit. Um, I played a 1-2 with, with, with Ray Wilkins and I was through on goal. On, on my debut, and I got wiped out by the by the big centre half, uh, Ramage or Stuart Bone, come and took me waist high uh, for a penalty, and obviously I I, I jumped up, and uh, Tommy Langley ran towards me, ran straight past me to get the ball, to get the ball, ran straight past me, took the penalty and missed, but at least we started off me me Chelsea career with a with a win two one. You mentioned Danny Blanchflower, who was the manager at the time. You've, great story about him, obviously, pre-match, talking to you about, you know, Lions and, and stuff like that. Some of the listeners may not have heard of him. What are your other sort of memories of Danny as the gaffer? Well, he, he was he was a gaffer who, who never wanted to be a gaffer, really. I mean, I remember one, one time going in there and, and, and talking about contracts... And I remember asking, and it wasn't it wasn't an actual lot of money. What you're talking about, a lot of money now, but he he actually said to me, "I think you're worth more than that." 
he wanted to give me more than what I was than what I was asking for. He was he was just a nice, nice, really lovely guy. Not management material wouldn't last two seconds in today's world, but he was just just a nice all round guy, and he he just wanted to defend you. I mean, I remember seeing some of the, some of the games, and we and we lost uh, lost during the season. He would never slag anyone off. You know, you tried your best. He was just a nice guy. But, yeah, not a football manager. With the Chelsea team that was there for that season, unfortunately, they did go down to the second division. Was you shocked at that time that this team did go down? No. um, There was a lot of players that left the club. um, And we had the one gem, which which I call a gem, which which was Ray Wilkins. Who, who kept everything together. Fantastic, not only on the pitch, but fantastic guy off the pitch. Um, brilliant fella. And um, and obviously when, when they sold him, but he, he stayed on at Chelsea to the end of the season, that was the gem. That that when you knew it was going to be, the, the next couple of seasons going to be really, really hard. But we had lots of youngsters coming through. Um, Trevor Aylott had come in and, and done quite well. Johnny Bumstead had started playing. Mickey Fillery started playing. So we had a good nucleus of a side, but it had to be homegrown because we didn't have a lot of money. And what did you make of the team's chances? Would you look at, at that summer? You got the 79-80 season. We're in the second division. What, was you confident at the time that the club would get straight back up? I, I thought we'd get straight back up, yeah. I, I really did. Uh, we had we had a confidence about us. Uh, we looked half decent side as well, um, and we played good football. We did play good football. We we needed one one or two additions to to that squad, and and if we'd have had one or two uh, more additions, I think we would have done better, obviously, than than what we did. But we came we came close, really really close. I think I think two went up that year instead of three, and I think we finished third. Uh, on goal difference it was goal difference and it came to the last game of the season West Ham had played I think West Ham had played Arsenal in the uh, FA Cup it was it was some it was something like that and then um, Sunderland had to play and, and obviously I'm not being funny Sunderland going to West Ham when they've just won the FA Cup are they going to be bothered Do they, are they going to try a leg to let Chelsea up no and no they didn't and Sunderland went up instead of us but we should have gone up that year Now Chelsea changed their manager halfway through the season when Jeff Hurst would would come in to take over from Danny was you shocked with the decision in terms of not just Mr Blancheflower leaving but Sir Jeff Hurst coming in to replace him Well, well Jeff was there as a coach he, he came as a coach with, with Danny so, so he was in and about in and about the side, he was learning his his coaching skills, and and when Jeff, yeah, so because because when you looked at Danny and you thought he'd never, he'd, I don't think he ever wanted to be a manager, you know. I mean, he, he used to come in in his his tracksuit, but he'd be eating golf balls while we would be training. Do you know what I mean? He, he just loved his golf. He had a lovely life. I don't think he wanted football to be in, in, interfered with, really. Um, but Jeff, Jeff came in and Jeff had some good ideas and, and then he brought um, Bobby Gould in with him. And, um, yeah, they did, they did quite well. I think we had, um, as soon as Jeff got the, or was hunting for the manager, 
managership, we, we went on um, a five-game unbeaten run, which we won all five games, and then we had two losses, I think, and then we went on another five-game unbeaten run where we won all five games again. So we were, we were right up there, and that's what, I think that's what landed him the job. And it was also this season where you managed to score your first goal for Chelsea against Bristol Rovers. How pleased was you to finally get off the mark for Chelsea, bearing in mind it was a few, a few appearances since your debut that you managed to score? I remember a little razor, a little blessing, bless his heart, Ian Britton, he's no, no longer with us, passing the ball out wide, and I took one, one uh, pushed it forward with me right, and it, it, it was a decent strike, it was a decent strike, I have to say. Should have won goal of the season. No, 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 no. But, uh, but uh, yeah, it was a decent strike. I was pleased, pleased to score. I think we won the game 1-0 as well for, from, from, from right back. But it was just, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm watching Chelsea playing in the shed when I'm six or seven or, or eight years of age. And the next thing, I'm, I'm, I'm on the pitch. You know, it's, it's, every, it's every man's dream. You know, it's every man's dream. I, I don't care what you say. You know, you're supporting Chelsea. You're there. And then you're putting on the blue, the blue shirt. It's just a fantastic feeling. Because of the performances that you put in, and because of the rapport you was getting through your teammates, what was the fans like to you? Did they were they keen on you to begin with, or do you feel that you had to sort of work at it for a bit longer to try and get them on side? I was. They was always good to me. They was always good to me from day one, from when I made my debut. I mean, I don't think there was a lot there, um, not like it is now, but they was always good to me. They was really, really good throughout my Chelsea career, and even now doing doing the corporate, they're 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 fantastic. They've always they've always had. Um, I, I'm not sure if it's because I, I was a Chelsea supporter or coming from Stockwell, because obviously supporting your local club, but they've always been fantastic towards me. It, and no matter where where I've come back with other clubs. Um, They've always clapped me, which which I'm not being funny from being a, I'm a Chelsea supporter. You're a Chelsea supporter for life. But it, it means so much, do you know what I mean, when the, when the crowd does that to you. In the subsequent years, the club underperformed and didn't finish in the top half of the second division, whether it was with Jeff Hurst or others. What would you say were the reasons behind that? Would you say it was from a club standpoint with the finances? Would you say it's the management? Would you say it's the players? Because if you look at the players we had in that squad, the likes of Johnny Bumstead, Patesy, or even David Speedy, these players were of decent quality. What, what would you say were the issues behind Chelsea not progressing in the second division? I think, I think we, we had a good squad. I think we had a decent squad, but we just needed one or two more. We just want, needed one or two more players to, to boast, boost the squad, really. But, but they never came. And it was, um, it, was, it was a shame, really, because if they'd have got them, I, I think we would have gone back up. So it was, um, but it was difficult times for Chelsea as well, you know. No money, you know, and they always blame it on the East Stand being built. Um, but it was just, yeah, it's just the way the club was at the time. And when you looked at it, it was, it's not the Stanford Bridge like it is now, but it's all nice and shiny and there's hotels. Um, yeah, it was a different. It was a different place to be, and it was um, really it, it, when you looked at it, not it looked like a shack, but it needed. It just needed money invested in it, and and, and invested in the side as well. But what do you do? Do you invest in the stadium, or do you invest in the side? And that's what people used to say say to me, and I'd say, 
you'll invest in both. In, invest in the stand, invest in the team. Because if you've got the team, the supporters will always turn up and, and come and support you. In 1981, John Neal took over the Chelsea position as, as the coach. What was your relationship like with John Neal? Uh, me and John, when I first came there, I was, I was promised, um, I think I come second in player of the season uh, the year before, and I got um, second in goal of the season. Uh, which everyone still remembers now. I think they haven't got a lot of choice, have they, with the other three goals? But but, but I was promised promised a new contract um, as soon as John Neal came, and and and, and rightly so. He said, uh, "I want to look at you, and you, you either get on with managers or, or you don't get on with managers." And you know, not everyone likes you. Um, John Neal did did really well for the club. You know, he got a promotion. Uh, but I, I didn't really see eye to eye to him we we, uh, we clashed on several occasions so um, yeah not a good thing to do but, but when you're 21 and I don't know you just want to play football you just want to be playing you want to be playing somewhere Did he outline his plans for you at the start or was it a while before he started to sort of put his feet under the table that he would then say to you you know this is my plans for you like it or lump it sort of thing well, he, he, he came and he was, he was quietly spoken, man. Um, and he had his ideas. The one thing he did have was, was Ian McNeil, uh, who was a very, very good scout. Very, very good scout. And he went out and scouted um, all sorts of players. You know, the likes of uh, Joe McLaughlin, Pat Nevin, um, and that was and Nigel Spackman. And I think, I think a lot of that was, was Ian McNeil, who um, brilliant scout. And, and, and got some, got some good players in at Chelsea, but yeah, it was um, it was a time when it, I, I look back on it and maybe maybe I, I should have knuckled down a little bit more or and tried to get on with him. But we just yeah, just it's just one of them personality clashes really. Now overall, you didn't score many for Chelsea, as you've as you've said, only the four. Are you disappointed looking back on that number or being a defender? You wasn't too concerned with scoring. You was just more concerned with trying to keep the ball out of our net exactly right I'm not being funny yeah f- four goals it's, it's up to the centre forward to score um, that's why they pay him extra money but yeah it was uh, I just wanted to keep them out and, and we don't forget we had some we had some crazy keepers at the time um, Peter Bar- Peter Barotta I mean what what's a nutcase bless his heart apparently sadly uh, passed away a couple of years ago, but what what a character! But absolutely nuts. I mean, before before we actually went out onto the pitch, uh, if we if we played up north, it was like the old fashioned old fashioned days where some players would have a nip of brandy and a nip of scotch if it was really cold. Well, I remember going up to Grimsby once, and all of a sudden Peter Barotta's picked up the the brandy bottle. And I think he had it to his mouth for about five minutes. I mean, we had to struggle to get it off of him. I mean, he was, it was just, he was crazy. But what a fantastic guy, really fantastic guy. But, um, yeah, we needed, we, we needed uh, a, a decent, decent, decent goalkeeper. Not saying Peter, Peter wasn't, but he was, um, I mean, he was the first guy who came up for a corner, I think, Peter Bro. He just done some unbelievable things. He was always running out of his box I mean, I remember being nearly up to the halfway line 
And I think we had a corner. And when I turned around, he's standing beside me, chatting to me. And I'm thinking, get back in goal, mate. Get back in goal. What a character, though. Fantastic character. Brilliant. What was he like with his fellow teammates? Did he have a teammate sort of get on with him? Or was he more of like an outcast in the team and just wanted to do his own little thing? Well, he'd, he'd done his own thing, but everyone loved him. Everyone loved Peter. He was, uh, he was, he was one, one hell of a guy. And he used to do... Um, he used to come over to me. I, I, I think it was uh, uh, Jeff Hurst come over to me. He said, can you, can you translate what Peter's saying? And I'm going, what? I don't, sp- I don't speak Yugoslavian or anything like that. But Peter would rather speak to, or speak to me and I'd say, he ain't happy at the moment. And he'd go, ask him why he ain't happy. And I'd go, why aren't you ain't happy? Why don't you speak to him? I'd say, speak to him, not, not, not to me. But he, he was like that. And one of, one of the things is, is English. I remember playing at Bolton um, one time and a guy kicked him in the head. The guy kicked him in the head. Um, Whitmore. It was Whitmore. Kicked, kicked him in the head. I've never seen that. Now, he got up and was trying to smash him to death. And then it sort of calmed him down. The referee calmed him down and he was going to send him off. And then the next thing, the ball come up to the halfway line, Neil Watmore it was. I've jumped up with Neil Watmore, and all of a sudden, the pair of us have been wiped out. It was Peter who come up to the halfway line to try and punch him. Crackers, absolutely crackers, but hell of a guy. And he, another, another story, he nearly, he nearly got arrested before one of the games. Um, it was like 10 to 3, we were just about going to go out on Stanford Bridge, and the police have turned up. And um, they said they're, they're doing, uh, they wanted Pete Broke, they was going to arrest him for, for, for parking fines. Because what, what had happened was they were putting tickets on his car, but he thought, he thought they were autographs that, that people wanted. So he would, he, he would take the paper out, sign his autograph, put it back into the plastic piece of paper and put it on the side of the road. But they weren't, they were parking fines, parking tickets, crackers. The man was crackers. That's brilliant. <laughs> okay, in eight, 1983, you left Chelsea after five years at the club. What were the factors behind you leaving? Was it to do with John Neal or was it other...? Um, maybe it was, it was to do with John Neal, but I, I think to, to, to get my career started again, I, I needed to leave. Um, although I didn't see, you know... I didn't see eye to eye with him, and, and, and yet he done fantastic for Chelsea. So, so good on John Neal, you know, he done brilliant for him. Um, but yeah, it was it was really, really, really hard to leave because I've been there since I was ten years of age. So it was I knew all the ground people, Millie, the the, the washing kit lady, everyone, and so it was really, really hard. But I think to probably further my career, I I, I needed to, to go at that present moment in time. Um, and I did, and I, I left the club. But I was, I was sad, really sad, to leave the club. Was there any indication for you that you thought that if you leave, you know, there may be opportunities for you to come back, whether it be later, later on as a player or even as a coach? Did you have any ambitions for that, or was it just a case of, you know, Chelsea's in me rearview mirror now? I've got to look forward. You, you, you try and look forward, but if if you love the club as as much as what. I, I, I loved the club. I still love the club, and they were—they was always 
like I said, they was always terrific with me. Um, but yeah, you, you sort of like, you, you try and put it out of your mind. I, I hated playing against them. I really hated playing against them. I found it hard. And I found it hard when, you, when you're playing against them and all of a sudden they, they shout out, traitor, traitor, traitor. And you think, no, no. I, you, you almost want to shout, I didn't want to leave. I didn't want to leave. You know, it was just, it was just one, one of them things. But I mean, um, I played against them several times as well and always did reasonably, reasonably well against them. Lost some, won some, but lost some. But it was always, I didn't, I didn't like, I didn't enjoy that day at all. I really didn't enjoy that day. And, and, and I remember the first time, I think the, it just got to me, you know, seeing the Chelsea crowd and, and everything. And I think I was at Swansea then. And I remember, I remember thinking, oh, God, I don't want to be here. I'd rather be wearing a blue shirt. But you've got to get that out of your brain because you're, you're, you're a professional. But, um, yeah, it was difficult. I hated playing against them. Didn't, didn't like it at all. Now, before we talk, touch on the modern-day stuff, we'll talk briefly about you know, certain characters that you were in the dressing room that you shared with at Chelsea. And there was some in- intriguing people that you shared the dressing room with. What stories or recollections do you have, you know, when you sort of talk, go as far back to, like, Ron Harris or Paul Canneville, David Speedy, for example? You know, do you got any other stories worth sharing of these particular people and what sort of what were they like sort of maybe off the pitch that people may not know about too much about them Ronnie Harris was like a mentor to us really Ronnie Ronnie you know if you can't learn off of uh, off of him defending wise because you don't play that many games like he's played 795 without being a decent defender for, for Chelsea and and he would always question you. So, like, if you're training, and what, what they used to do at Chelsea, which was, which was another brilliant thing, that you, you'll be training uh, with, with your age group, but every Friday, the best apprentice would move up and, and train with the first team. And he was always the one, he was the, always the one to say, you uh, was playing against, say, Clive Walker today. What foot does he kick with? And you go, oh, uh, Oh, left foot, yeah, yeah. Where does he always turn? So he was always, he was always prepping you. So when you, when you, and it, it, it put a different angle on the game. Do you know what I mean? It, it, it's like, um, I remember playing one game and, and, and playing against someone who was like four inches taller than me. And he said to me, Ronnie, Ronnie said to me, he said, um, he said, right, how many balls do you think you're going to win in the air? I said, I, I don't know. He said, well, how are you going to mark him? I said, well, I'll mark him at, at, at the back of him. I'll mark him at the back. And, and he went to me, well, if you stand there all game, you're not going to win a header, is he? Because he's five, five inches taller than you. And I, he, he was always questioning it, but it got you thinking. It got you thinking. So he would say, go and stand beside him. Go and stand in front of him. He, he will react off your reaction. And you thought... Yeah, it, it, it learnt, it, you learnt different aspects of the game, which was, which was brilliant. Mickey Joy was fantastic. Mickey Joy, very, very underrated player. Fantastic left foot, Joy's he had. Mickey Fillery, outstanding. Really, someone should have grabbed hold of him when he was at Chelsea and just, they should have built a team around him, I think. I think he was that good at a at certain stage. Lovely, great free kicks, Mick as well. Ping, ping them, 
paint seed banners. I mean, they had good careers at Chelsea, but yeah, it was a good. Uh, it was a good. Tour. Clive, Clive was quick as anything. Um, when we bought Colin Lee, great at holding the ball up. The team should have done better, really. Looking back on it. Now, in later years, you was working in the hospitality with Chelsea, and you sort of seen all you know the other Chelsea players from yesteryear but you managed to build up a good rapport with a certain Ron Harris where you've done Q&A events together and you've done other other events together you know you would say Ron is one of your closest friends what was he like as a person not just as a captain for Chelsea not just as a defender but what was he like as a as a person and as a friend as a friend he's, he's been fantastic to us um, but we're all you mentioned Ron, but we're all close. We're all close. It's a close-knit family, like like um, like Trevor Aylott, um, like like Mickey Fillory. Mickey Fillory lives in Devon, constantly on the phone. Like Patesy down 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 at Brighton, constantly on the phone. Johnny Bumpstead in Kent, constantly on the phone. And and it's it. We've all we've been brought up together, and it's like um. And the way Chelsea, the way Chelsea bring us together, you know, we have we have certain functions that uh, all the players go to, and it's they're brilliant functions, and it's great to see the old faces. And then as soon as you see a face you ain't seen for ages, you're swapping numbers, you're you're back on the phone. Che- I think Chelsea, uh, uh, it's, it's such yeah, a family. Nuts. Oh, it's brilliant. Nuts, yeah, yeah, it's just it's just fantastic. It's just they bring everyone together, and they really really do that. Um, and and they've been brilliant to us. Absolutely fantastic for us. Now we will talk about the current stuff, unfortunately, at the moment. But before we do talk about today's Chelsea, we want to talk about something in particular that has rolled people up a little bit for good and bad, and that's VAR. Your thoughts on it? Do you, is there any particular thing you, you would change from it, or is there any particular thing that you're happy with? Uh, in some ways, I'm pleased with it, and some ways, I'm not. But when when a bloke's right toes offside, that ain't right. That ain't right. That that can't be right. And and why does it take that long? Why does it take that long to decide? It should be done instantly. Someone should be telling the ref. The ref should be mic'd up, or he should have he should have something round him. He doesn't have to run off. That really angers me. He doesn't have to run off the pitch to look at a screen. And then have the headphones on to tell him to tell him, just tell him, tell him, you know we're, we're in the twenty first or twenty second. Just tell him, yeah, it's no goal, no goal straight away. But when someone's toe, toes offside, no, no, come on, yeah, it's frustrating. I find that frustrating, really frustrating. Talking of frustrating, we're going to talk about the current Chelsea at the moment. And they are, they have been very frustrated at the moment. I think it's quite kind of glad that the World Cup's on at the moment so we don't have to worry about them during the Christmas period. But obviously, change of manager with Potter coming in, it seemed a good start as it did, you know, beating Milan twice. And then recently, we'd go on to lose a few games, but it's more the performances has been the issue. And there's been certain players' performances that have been criticised massively. What's your thoughts on the current day Chelsea, and where do you see them at the end of the season? I think I think you've got to look at look at the whole situation. Um, we couldn't buy anyone when, when when they first took over. 
uh, the, the new owners. Um, so you've got to look at that. And then we were six weeks behind, and I'm, I'm not sticking up for them, but we were six, six weeks behind everyone else um, when the embargo got taken off of us. Then we went out and we had to buy players instantly. Instantly. So what we done, we went out and bought experienced players. Now, I'm not saying them players will be at Chelsea in two years' time, but I think that we needed to get over that period. Now, if you look, now they're looking in the transfer market now, we're looking for younger players to come in, to bring in, which is, which, which is great. But we're still, at the moment, we're going through a transitional period. And I think supporters have got to be a little bit patient with it. You, you know, all of a sudden... Thomas Tuchel goes. We we get a Bamiyang who signs to Thomas Tuchel. A day later, Thomas Tuchel Thomas Tuchel's gone. So what what must have Bamiyang f- feel like? You know, and, and, and we knew he was a stopgap because he's 33, 34. But a good player, we knew we knew him getting goals. But I think we just have to be we have to be patient, and we have to be patient with Graham Potter, who's 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 coming, who's had all this put in front of him, and and, and he's got to deal with it now. And he's brought his, his whole backroom staff with us and, and, and everything with him. Um, so we've just got to be patient and, and see see what happens in the transfer window. Do you know what? That would be so, so interesting. Who we bring in, what players we bring in. Um, and we've got some good players, you know. You know, Conor Gallagher, you know, although he hasn't, I love I love when I see him play, um, but he's got to get more involved. He's got to be more of a focal point. We've got decent young players coming through the youth systems, you know. Give give him a go. Give him a go. Don't don't hurry to go out and buy someone for 75, 80 million. Just just have have a look. Just have a look. And I think we'll be patient. And there'll be young players with that hunger. And sometimes you have to have that hunger. Speaking of incomings, there are rumours at the current moment that a certain Cristiano Ronaldo could be coming to Chelsea. Would you take him at the moment? Honestly, no. 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 30. God, 37, 38. Yeah, uh, listen, brilliant. Brilliant that he wants to play. Brilliant that he wants to play. But looking at him... Um, and, and I would always say, I would always say this: no one's bigger than a football club. But the way Cristiano Ronaldo's been, I think he's bigger than Man United. He's just a big, big, massive character. And I think Den Haag's done really, really well in, in, in controlling him. But, but it's all about Cristiano Ronaldo. It's all about the circus, and we don't need a circus, really. We don't need a circus. If 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 it was Cristiano Ronaldo. Six years ago, oh, you'd have him tomorrow. Seven years ago, you'd have him tomorrow. But not a 38, no. No, we, we want nice young players coming through, talented players, young with a hunger. Well, hopefully we don't see Pierce Morgan pitch up at Chelsea trying to beg Ronaldo to come to uh, Stamford Bridge. Hopefully not. Finally, Chivs, again, thanks very much for coming on to the show. How do you look back on your career at Chelsea? I loved it. I, I, I loved it. Uh, you know, it, it doesn't it doesn't get no better than being a supporter 
them playing for you, the teams you support and the club you love and the club you support. And I, and I, and I look back at the different roles I've had at Chelsea as well, you know, starting off as a, as a player, then coming back. I, I trained, trained the youth team for about uh, six or seven years and then stopped that and then coming back and doing the corporate side. So I've, I've been in and around Chelsea since the, the age of six, really. So it's 50, 50 odd years and loving it. I just love it. I still get excited. I'm I'm a sado, really. I'm a sad, sad man. I still get excited coming out of Fulham Broadway, turning left, turning left, and I still get a buzz walking in. That the airs at the back of me neck still get up. It's sad. Oh, it's it's magical. It's magical, magical. And then all of a sudden you turn into the club and you think I'm home. Brilliant. And and every everyone there is, is good to us. They're, they're they're fantastic to us. Love it. Love the club. Yeah. Just hope it continues. Chiefs, fantastic. Absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for coming on to the show. Hopefully, in the new year, Chelsea will improve, and everyone that goes to the ground will, will enjoy themselves. And hopefully, we'll see you at the bridge soon as well. Thank you very much. Thank you. Cheers. Network.